Good morning. So glad you're here. So glad you're back. First of all, the good news is, is that we're going to have enough packets and lunch tickets. So if you do not have one, please raise your hand right now and I'll hand one to you right this very instant. Raise your hand nice and high. They're going to come right this second, hand you a bag and hand you a lunch ticket for today. So if you, if you need one, haven't gotten one, go quick, ladies. Don't be polite and all feminine. Just get those bags out. You know what I'm saying? All right. Okay, awesome. Did anybody have a friend? Um, did anybody have a friend here last night that is not here today that did not get a packet? A friend that was here last night that did not get a packet that's not here today. Can you, this is a couple extra journals I found. Um, so that, get that to your friend that wasn't here. Anybody else? Brennan? I should have it. Here you go. And before you leave today, you guys, this is all I've got for this. But before you leave today, on your way out, if you had a friend that came last night, didn't get a packet, swing by. If we have extra packets, we'll be happy to give it to them. And so you can hand it off to them. Does that sound good? Hey, um, there's going to be, um, in your, okay, in your, does anybody need a brochure? Aren't these awesome? Don't these look sharp, you guys? That's what I thought. Um, there, the schedule's in there. I want to make a, a, one small correction in the mom's life one. There was a typo at the end, and I think it like said mental changes or something like that. And it's meant to say, we already know we have mental changes, but that was supposed to be marriage changes. So like related to how, and that causes mental changes as well. But that's a whole nother workshop that we're not doing today. Um, but anyway... <laughs> Anyway, so um, just so you know, if you're considering that workshop, the issue of how kids potentially change your marriage, um, I just wanted to make that correction. Also, in your, in your workshops today, there's going to be four by six cards like we always have, like that are this, and it's pick one up on the way, and then you have, if you have a question for the people speaking in the workshop, write the question down, turn it into the room co coordinator, and as they have time, they'll address them. But this is a really great opportunity um, to have some of your questions about your life um, answered or things that a uh, real honest question do you have about whatever may be related to the workshop. So that's what those cards are there for. Then if there are any questions that you have for me specifically or that don't get addressed, turn those in at your workshop as well. And if I have time at the beginning of the last session, I'll just hit on a few questions that maybe came up a lot or something like that. I won't be able to answer every question, but I'll do my best. Also, the um, bathrooms, I'm sorry to bring this up again, but we're still marking this bathroom over here for women only for the weekend because basically it's all women in the building it's marked that way there's just a few guys in the building and they have other separate like smaller restrooms in the building that they're going to use so the bathrooms are clearly marked we're going to be here all day we're going to need to use the restroom so you can use either one of those restrooms throughout the day however uh, whatever works best for you and don't worry about the guys they won't go in Okay, let's see. We all have records. That's all I have to say. Okay, I hope that uh, I hope that last night got you thinking a little bit about your your life up to this point, your real natural life. Did it? Are you thinking about it a little bit? Okay, I hope you're still thinking about it, right? Because we only have what, maybe like another 24 hours or something like that to just not think about anything else, right, other than processing this stuff about our lives. Now, last night, the title of the message was, um, it was the unspoken truth about your real life. 
And hopefully that's you, you feel like that is what you heard, the unspoken truth about your real life. I'm really hoping so. So anyway, the rest of these sessions, um, just to give you a heads up, I'm, I'm very excited about them. This morning, I'm going to talk, let's see how I, how I, uh, carries honest strategies for real life. So a lot of people ask me about the specific things about, about living life and in, in the modern world as a Christian woman and what that looks like. So I'm going to try to hit on that a little bit. And then this afternoon, uh, we're going to be talking about, um, I'm, the title is Outsmarting Your Real Life. So how we can try to outsmart these things that we know are going to happen. And then Sunday, um, when the guys are here, I'm going to talk about... Um, the, the real meaning of your life. And it will be the most un-Sunday schooled answer you've ever heard to the meaning of your life. So I hope you can come to those. And then the workshops are fully explained in your brochure, but that my titles and my messages were. So I just wanted to lay that out for you and let you know what was headed, um, what's up in store. All right, so I want to just open by reading our same verses again, and we're going to get into this real quick. I'm, I'm really excited about this, um, but we're going to get right into it. But let's read the verses again so it's refreshed in our mind, and we're thinking about it in terms of this. So, um, so if you could put those verses up, Jesus told this simple story. He said, I am the gate. I am the gate for the sheep. All those others are up to no good, sheep stealers, every one of them. But the sheep didn't listen to them because we're very smart, no matter what anybody says. And he says, I am the gate. Anyone who comes through me, right, will be what? Cared for and will freely go in and out. It is not a prison, right? We freely go in and out. And the thief is only there to steal kill and destroy out here but i have come that you would have real real and eternal life more and better life than you have ever dreamed of pretty strong words god we give today to you thank you so much that you're here with us be glorified in all we do and say and help us to continue to understand more and more the life that you have planned and promised for us in jesus name amen so today I want to give you some of my ideas for tools for living a different life. What if we thought differently about our life, like we started to think about last night, right? What if we thought differently about our life and how we would actually live it? And I mean that in a very practical sense because our natural life is very practical. Everybody went home last night and probably everybody went to sleep. You know, everybody brushed their teeth, hopefully. And then everybody woke up and you did your thing and you got your clothes on. I mean, this is natural life and this is reality. And all of those things um, in our lives require choices. What am I going to wear? How am I going to wear it? How much money am I going to spend on that thing that I am wearing? How much am I going to eat? Am I going to try to eat gluten-free or am I going to go to Aldi's and just go for the cheapest thing possible to feed my family? What does this natural life look like? And how does this process? Because all of these things, hopefully, I kind of teased at it last night, but a lot of these things actually are the things that the thief uses in our life to steal, kill, and destroy us. 
you know, being like um, uh, having so much time and attention and worry thinking about our weight or thinking about our clothes or thinking about what we're going to feed our family or trying to avoid someone or, or that sort of thing, you know, or avoid going bankrupt or whatever. So it's like, what do, do the logistics of, of John 10, 10 look like in your life? Jesus, uh, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you real and eternal life, more and better life than you ever dreamed about. What do the logistics of that verse look like in your life in 2018? All right, that's what we're going to talk about. So people are always asking me how I live my life, what do I do, and um, different things that I thought were important over the life, my life, maybe having perfect kids or getting good grades in school. I've never really been into money very much like that's not a thing for me i've never really uh, had a, like an issue of coveting things oh i wish i had that nice car like that person or something like else that's not my personal um weakness if you will or my personal temptation but i have other things like that a lot of stress of uh, for example for me um security is a really big deal i'm always very nervous in fact i'm going to be very real in this session okay so just um don't judge me okay but anyway like i've always i've always been very insecure about losing my job and walt losing his job and like for example when we were newly married walt was late for work like three times in like two weeks and his boss threatened him to that if you're late again you're going to lose your job and that stressed me out I'm for some reason the whole security thing of the fear of losing my job you know even at work my job uh, I I think I do a good job at my job but I'm still always like I got to make sure I make my boss happy so she doesn't like fire me you know and it's not necessarily a rational fear because I think I'm a good employee but I have a, a fear about that. And, um, and so anyway, how in the world does this look like? And so balancing, balance these things in our life. My, um, my salvation experience was actually had a lot to do what we're, with what we're going to talk about, um, in this session. Because when I was a young adult, I, I became, it was during the eighties and there, it was like the prosperity gospel was really big, you know, like it was really big into where if like you give money to the church, then you're going to be blessed and you're going to be healthy and stuff like that. That. And that really, I was, I was very disillusioned about that, even though my dad was a pastor. And so going into my young adult years, I was like, I don't know what I think, you know, about the church and about the Bible and all this kind of stuff. And, um, and I began in college. I didn't go to a Christian college. My parents moved to Canada. I had no contact with my family whatsoever. And during, um, while I was in college, I was reading, I was reading the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, um, Jesus said, um, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear because I'm going to take care of you. And, and then I read a, a couple of books from very classic authors like um, C.S. Lewis and stuff. And they basically were reinforcing essentially the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount. Where and and to me it just resonated inside of me. It just resonated very much because I that's what I felt like was true. I felt like this stuff doesn't really matter. This this stuff really isn't that important. And I was so happy that someone else was actually saying that because that's what I'd been thinking. And uh, but I had never heard anybody else say that to say you know what these things in the world are not that big a deal. And you know it's fine to have clothes or whatever. And if you 
you're in a closet, it's totally fine. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying at the core of this real and natural life, that isn't the most important thing. And so from the very beginning of being saved in my young adult years, this was something that I've always been trying to process in my own life. I've always been trying to process what does that look like? I mean, you, you, you have to wear clothes. And for example, if I were up here and I dressed so out of style, that, that would be a distraction to you. But if I dressed super, super nice, that would probably also be a distraction to you. And I've seen both of those things. And so I'm always like, I want to, that's where I want to hit that sweet spot in my life, you know, where I'm taking care of myself enough that, you know, I'm not like a distraction and people think that I'm homeless, but, uh, but that I'm not like overdoing it so much that people think that all I care about, you know, is the next time I'm going to repaint my nails or something, you know, I, I want to try to hit the sweet spot because I think for me, at least where I'm at, that glorifies God. And so even you'll, if you notice, which I'm sure everybody notices what I have on all the time and stuff, but I try, that's what I'm always thinking. I want my clothing. I want my, um, all these things in my life to be a neutral, whether rather than something that's taking away or something that's adding. Do you understand what I mean? And then what that can do in our lives, even related to men, related to other women, is that can remove certain pitfalls uh, or certain areas in our life that the that Satan can steal, kill, and destroy. You're not pretty enough. You're not thin enough. You aren't in style enough. You know what I'm saying? Or you don't eat healthy enough or whatever, whatever it might be. And so I, for me, I try to, that's what I try to do. Do you know that there's two main re- things that women dress for. This is not in my notes. I'm just totally winging it right here, okay? I'm not even in the first paragraph of my notes. So um, two basic groups that women dress for. They either dress for men or they dress for other women. And I'm not talking about same gender attraction. I'm talking about dressing so that you guys think I'm a pretty woman that is together. You see? So you can even assess in yourself in an honest way, you know, am I dressing for other men or am I dressing for other women? And then there's about 1% that's dressing for themselves or dressing for the Lord. You know, it's hard to do. It's hard to do because once again, why? Why is that hard to do? Because of this, because we're living in the natural world. If your office is an office that like people really dress up or in your culture really dress up or, you know, your friend group or the neighborhood you live in dresses a certain way. That's why whatever culture we grow up in, whatever part of the city we grow up in, even in Omaha, that influences how we dress, influences what is pretty. Is it pretty to be super duper skinny? A lot of a lot of white Groups, a lot of white cultural orientation groups thinks it's super, super pretty to be super, super skinny. Other cultural groups, it's, it's more uh, beautiful to be more curvy and you don't have the expectation of weighing 92 pounds or whatever, you know? And so this culture around us is shaping our value of beauty, our value of how much time we're spending on things, our value of who we're dressing for or whatever. You guys picking up what I'm laying down? So anyway, so there's this balance and it has to start um, this balance. And I hate that word, but nonetheless, there's this balance, this tension um, between the spiritual and natural life going on in us. And it actually affects practically every single thing about our life from the second we wake up until the second we go to bed. And even then it might impact you because based on how expensive your mattress is, how nice your linens are, right? Uh, so anyway, so if we go back... 
So anyway, so here, so ultimately we're trying to transition um, our values about what's important and balancing what's on the inside of us and what's on the outside of us because we could be like a super duper spiritual, you know, totally in the zone spiritually and hearing from God all the time. But if you like never take care of your house and don't mow your lawn and have a loud muffler that annoys your neighbors or something like that, you see what I mean? You're not hitting that balance of the real natural life that we live in. Somebody say amen. So this is all rooted in meaning, which I'm going to talk about in the t- tomorrow. But I want you to to uh, rate yourself in your journal again, one to ten. If you were to just real quick, this is just a tangential point, so don't we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. If you were going to rate, remember ten is like perfection. You know, you're going to, this is, you know, Billy Graham ascending into the clouds, you know, to heaven directly, you know, and, you know, and this is, you know, well, you guys know what this is like, you're at the lowest of low. Okay. If you do on the number, just real quick, and you might've done this last night, what, what percentage of the stress and anxiety of living life is related to the three things? And you can just do different marks. The thief. Natural and spiritual. If you were to assess the distraction, the stress, the time and energy of your natural life, which, where are you at on this? Like the thief, you know, you might just be having so many problems or whatever, you know, oh, I'm sorry that it would be, it would be a one. Okay. Cause you're like on the verge of, you know, homelessness or whatever. So how much And here's what I'm wondering. Have you rated yourself real quick? Here's what I'm wondering. Who rated natural as being the the strongest thing or the most negative thing or the most time-consuming thing in your life? Who would say natural is is the biggest thing as opposed to spiritual or the thief? Seriously? Who thinks it's the thief? Biggest sucker out of your life. Who thinks it's your spiritual life? In the pen. Okay, so you guys just aren't raising your hands. Well, I'm going to assume that it's natural. I'm going to assume it's natural because I know. Um, so, but in, in, as women, we have a lot of emphasis on the natural in our lives. And that's just the way it is. And it's not because you're a bad person. It's just the logistics of gender roles. You know, women tend to be more responsible for the child care and for taking care of the house and all that kind of stuff. But the thing that I think, here's the thing. I think that women tend to try to control this natural area of our lives by doing things like organizing, cleaning, Trying to organize and pull together our natural life. Right? That's what we tend to do. I mean, how many guys are obsessive compulsive about organizing their closets? There are some, but there are very, very few. A lot more women. It's a woman's natural tendency to try to control this natural area of their life 
right? Like, so say you eat a lot, then you might organize the pantry, you know, obsessively or have a really controlled shopping list or something like that. So it's very easy to overemphasize these natural ways of controlling our life, exercising, uh, obsessive things about Pinterest to control different things in our life, our schedule, our exercise, our child rearing, our, you know, all these, our cleaning schedules and all this kind of stuff. But everything is flowing out of this secure base, right? This is a pure base of, of Jesus and the gate. And so we're, as Christian women, we're trying to process then what does this look like? What does this look like? For me, there's one word that sums up how I try to do this. And that word is minimize. And this was a word I used before there were any tiny house YouTube videos. Okay. <laughs> There was no such thing as tiny house YouTube videos. I was reading this stuff about monks when I was 18 years old, about minimizing. And I want to talk about how I have done that. And the reason I do it is not to be cool or to have a tiny house. It's to free up as much space in my mind and heart and my life so that I can focus on the things that I think are most important. And so the the reason behind The minimalization is not to save the planet. It's not to save money. It's not to be cool in some way or whatever. It's not any of those things. It's to focus my life, my natural life on what is the most important so that I'm not getting tripped up by this by obsessing about something in my natural world when I need to get back to this. And so this is the word. Now, I, I have a ton of responsibility in my life. I have my family, you know, I, Walt is the pastor of the church that a lot of responsibilities come with that. You know, we, um, own a home. We have a dog. I work at UNO 20 hours a week. I'm a full-time graduate student. I have a lot of things in my life that produce or create a lot of pressure in my life. Very high stress. And there's been tons of times. I remember there was a season of the time where I was just like, I am so tired of being busy. I am so tired of being stressed out. I am just so sick of this. And I couldn't figure out what I could quit in my life to try to minimize that stress. And, um, and so it's, we talked about coping circles last, last year about how we have this limited amount of time and energy. And, and so when we overload that, what happens? But here's an idea. Here's an idea. Um, it says, this quote says, I was part of a strange race of people that spent their lives doing things that they detest to make money they don't want, to buy things that they don't need, to impress people they don't like. Think about how much of our natural lives are taken up to doing things that we detest to make money that we don't want to buy or we don't need to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like. Wow. Here's an example of how, so you're removing these things in your life to skip over these potential obstacles. You guys tracking with me? Okay, so here's, let me give you an example of this with food. This is just my example. You can be different. But this is how I have chosen in my life, in my natural regular life, to minimize the amount of time and energy and obsession with food 
um, so that I can focus on other things and live the real life. The what is it? What does the verse say? A more and better life than I've ever dreamed of. This is what I do. First of all, I go out to eat. We go out to eat very, very little in our family very little and that saves money and health or whatever but really the motivation is not health the motivation is really money because i have three teenagers and everybody eats a lot you know you can spend easily spend 40 50 bucks at fast food and if you go to applebee's you're over 100 bucks right there so anyway so that was a primarily a money thing so and then i used to be grocery shopping you know it's like i used to go to aldi's and and get that deal and i go to walmart and get that deal and i go to sam's and get that deal right i don't do that anymore i only go to walmart and here's why i can do it faster and i think it all evens out so i figure i can spend i if i spend over an hour including drive time back and forth to my house, grocery shopping, then I consider that a failure in my personal life. I don't want to spend more than an hour, you know, picking out which can of bean, you know. It's like, I, and if you do and you have the time, that's fine. I'm explaining from my life how I've tried to minimize things. It's just a practical example. I do not plan my meals. I do not um, uh, comb through recipes online in any way because that would take too long and that would cost too much money. So what I do is I have this pantry system. We basically have the same thing in our house at all times. Black beans, taco shells, you know, spaghetti sauce, pasta, these main things. We have a piece of paper on our refrigerator. If you use the last pasta, you write it down. That's it. As soon as the last word, and it goes for everything. Toothpaste, you just took the last toothpaste, you write it down. I, when I go grocery shopping, I rip off that list, walk into Walmart, buy everything in 30 minutes, and I'm back home, to and back home um, within an hour. Don't go grocery shopping any time other than one time a week. Did you know that every time you walk into a store, you spend a certain amount of money? So if you, like in the mall, it, every time you go into the mall, the average person spends over 100 bucks. So if you go in the mall once a month, how much money do you spend? 100 bucks. If you go in the mall four times a month, what do you spend? 400 bucks. Same goes for grocery shopping. If you go three times, if you, three times a month, and some people are like, I don't spend $100 a month. This is a statistical average. The point is, is every time you set foot into a store, you're going to be spending more money. So even for groceries, if you go two times a week, you're going to be spending like 20% or whatever more um, than just shopping one time. This is just how I worked it out. But my point is, is that here I am. I don't personally want to take any, the Sermon on the Mount says, don't, you know, worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear or whatever. And now, if that's your hobby or you're good at that, please don't take this the wrong way. We could use this any example for this. But my point is, is I don't want to worry about what I'm going to eat. I don't cook anything that I can't cook in 30 to 45 minutes from the time I get home from work. Because my kids come home from school. We don't want to go out to eat. Everybody's hungry. I come in the door. I pull something from the pantry. And that's that. I get a big pack of chicken. It doesn't spoil for the whole entire week. So I never have frozen meat that I have to dip up. Just a little tip there. But... <laughs> Anyway, I go grocery shopping right after I go to church. I go to the 930 service. I go out of the parking lot, go in the Walmart, and I am home, you know, by 1215, make lunch before any of my family gets home from church on Sunday. Every single week. That's what I do. 
But then I don't have to think about it all the time. So anyway, the pantry approach, if you have the pantry approach and you're not trying to like make a master chef meal every time you cook, you know what I'm saying? You can apply this to any area of your life. You can say, do I want to spend this much time doing my makeup? Do I want to spend this much time exercising? Do I want to, is this the most important thing to me? Is this what God has designed as a more and better life for me? Maybe it is, but what if it isn't? What if it isn't? And what if we've gotten caught up by the world, you know, and here we have these powerful women in this room with so much potential to invest in your children's lives, into other people's lives, into ministries of go or whatever. But we can be caught up. I'm just challenging you. I'm just, somebody say, I still like you, Carrie. <laughs> uh, caught up by these distractions and these things that we think are so important. And maybe they're not. What is something for you that you is like that? Just identify it and write it in your journal right now. What is something like that that is, is very important, but there's a chance it might not be as important as you're making it? HGTV. I was just going to say decorating your house. Yeah. What other things? You have to be the very best at your job. Are you doing that because you want more money? Is that because you're attracted to your boss? Because you need self-esteem, because other areas in your life are not going well. Here's a couple more just examples, and I'm going to shoot through. Laundry, one day a week. Here's what I do. Wake up, turn the coffee pot on, go throw a load of laundry in the washing machine, come up, do my devotions and journaling time. By the end of that time, the washer is done. And I throw it in the dryer and fold the clothes. And ironing is against my religion, as you can see from this. People are like, oh, my clothes will be so wrinkled if I leave them in the dryer for 24 hours. I'm like, yeah, they are. They are. So, you know, it doesn't bother me. If it bothers you, you know, you can iron my clothes for me. I'm not. Okay. So anyway, um, so here's some other things I, I don't do. I don't, uh, I don't uh, have a, a lot of clothes. That means I have to buy less clothes, wash less clothes, keep um, more clothes fixed up, iron less clothes, which is zero no matter what. I can have a smaller closet. I, can, I have a bag every time. I never add any hangers to your closet, not a single hanger to your closet. If you bring something in, you take something off the hanger and throw it in the Goodwill. Um, anyway, so there's, there's all these different things. Uh, I, I just shop in chunks. I don't go to the mall in between. I don't ever go into a store. Uh, I do no grocery shopping in between meals. I get any gift. I need a cookbook for a wedding shower. I buy it on Amazon. Um, I have everything automated, all tithing, all missions, all giving. Uh, I never think about paying the bills ever. Um, I try to minimize stopping into quick trip or something like that. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on social media. I rarely answer the phone unless it's a staff member at church or a family member. My message on my phone says, I don't answer my phone. So text or, or email me. My phone is on silent all the time. All the time. The only calls I make are accidental butt dials to my children because they're on speed dial. Always in the middle of the school day. And they're like, Mom, I'm in class. Why are you calling? Or they'll say, Mom, you're butt dialing me again. And I'm like, sorry. 
Okay, I, I never check news websites. I uh, consider it a personal victory if I don't get any junk emails or any junk voicemails. The most important things. Now, so I'm talking about ways I minimize practical, natural life ways I've minimized. How does that help me? How does that help me from spending my emotional uh, and time energy on some of these things? And these things are just, I'm just trying to give examples to you about stuff I've done. It, it could be anything. How does that help me? How does that help me have a more and better life, more than I've ever dreamed of? What do you think? D- distraction frees you. Less stress and anxiety. More time. More time with your family. Not impressing anybody. This psychological freedom that it begins to create in you and the inability for some of these, these things in our life to stick that the enemy is throwing at us. More time with God. Peace. Less what? Less influence from the outside world. Okay, what I try to do, and there's going to be some really good workshops about some of this stuff. Sonia is doing a story in um, the Practical Life workshop, and she has a, such an amazing story about processing uh, owning a home and processing um, what clothes to wear and how dressy to dress and that sort of thing, how God has walked it through in her own life. And it's a very powerful testimony, very powerful. And there's going to be plenty of other testimonies like this. But here's my idea. My goal would be to have the day split because we have a real and um, a real and eternal life, to have the day split between our real and our natural, our real and our spiritual lives. Now, this is a mouthful right here. What about, think about this. What about if our goal is so that we have balance between being in this world with danger and being in this world with temptation and being in this world with all these enemies trying to fight and pull us away from the gate, away from the pen. What about if we shot for, don't, don't hate me right now, 50-50 of our life between these two lives? That would mean 12 hours each. Now, if you sleep eight hours and you work eight hours, that puts you down to four hours each on each side of here. Now, think about how much time we tend to spend on our natural life out of those leftover eight hours. What do you think? Getting ready, driving, shopping, social media, all this kind of stuff. How, I mean, let's just be honest and real. How much of those eight hours would be here versus here? Seven. Mm-hmm. What about if we? What about if we? Uh, if we considered part of this, any time that we spend at church, like if you were at the real conference this weekend, you know, and say it was like twelve hours or ten hours or whatever, or ten hours would be in this. Not just like doing devotions and going to prayer, going to church on Sunday, serving in one service. Uh, going to small group, 
you know, things like that. Could be part of maybe average out to maybe if you even just go to church and if you go to a small group and, and stuff like that, go to a special event from time to time, it might be, it might be what? That might average out to like one or two hours. Like this week it'd be two extra hours out of this. Think about the disproportionate amount of time we spend between these two things. And then that's why one of the reasons why we're weak and very susceptible to um, different temptations that are out there. Even think about if the temptation is money and coveting, right? Well, if you spend all this time looking at the pictures on Pinterest of all the celebrities, you know what I'm saying? Money is going to continue unless you are independently wealthy, if you're exposing yourself to all these things, these pretty houses, fixer-uppers, you know, and, um, and I don't know, whatever, like, stuff there is about beauty or whatever. Not that anything is wrong with that, but think about the temptation that can lure you into that, whether it's bankruptcy, whether it's having an affair, whether it's uh, depression and despair um, or extreme insecurity or waking or all these other things that then trap us, trap us and just suck this down from spiritual life to the thief killing, stealing, and destroying. Because it's like we're feeding this wolf. Have you ever, this, ever heard the story, the Native American story, that, of this, um, this wolf that was killing all of the sheep? This wolf that was just coming in and killing all the sheep. And the, and the, guard, the guard dog was just getting eaten alive and just wasn't. And, and um, guess what the sheep did? He stopped putting the feet out to feed the big, ugly sheep or a big, ugly wolf. So the big, ugly wolf started getting weaker and weaker and weaker and less powerful and less able to attack the flock of sheep. That is what happens when we are feeding and not just like a ah, feeding. I'm talking feeding in a literal way. It's like if you don't know how to intercede for two hours or whatever, what about if you come to an extra service? If you definitely go to a small group, if you get together with your Christian friends that you serve with in the nursery, you're doing anything to feed that spiritual life. Even if it doesn't feel that way, feeding that spiritual life and weakening out these other things that are trying to drag you down and pull you down and ruin your life. Because what does the Bible say the thief is there to do? He's there to steal, kill, and destroy. How do we feel typically if we're poor and we don't have, like, the outfit we want or we can't eat, like, all organic or something like that. How do we normally feel about that? We feel like that's a bummer, that that's taken away from us, right? Like, we wish we had more money. We wish we could have a nicer house. We wish we had. But maybe what those things are doing is just the opposite. They're actually setting traps. The more we want of those things, the hungrier we get for those things, the more the thief is able to steal kill and destroy the real life God intended for you. And we are essentially partnering with the thief by continuing to value what the world values and feed into those things in our life. And the the most practical way, I think, to tell that is to look at your time and look how you're spending your life. Look how you're spending your days. 
Think about this. How much time on a daily basis do you spend getting ready in the morning? I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. I'm just saying think about that. So say maybe it's an hour by the time you shower and everything like that. That's an hour that is moved into this section. Not that it's bad, but what if you can wash your hair less or whatever, do something to remove that power in your life or, and then chances are it's like, what if my hair is looking bad? You know, what if my hair, our focus, cause we've spent all that time doing our hair when then we become obsessed and worried about it. I wonder what that girl thinks of my hair. I wonder what that guy thinks of my hair. I wonder if I got the right kind of braids. I wonder if I got the right color braids. I wonder if I let it go too long before I got my new braids. You know what I'm saying? Think about that for your own life. Think about what you're spending your natural life on. This, in your journal, write a couple things real quick. Just no judgment. This is a no judgment zone. Just, this is real life right here. Let's be honest with ourselves. Remember we talked about that, how this weekend we're going to be honest with ourselves and we're only going to think about ourselves. So that's what I want you to do. I would just want to think, you to think, what are some of the natural things in your life that are sucking up your time and sucking up your energy or you're worrying about? Maybe it's how good your kids behave. Maybe it's how good your kids are dressed. Maybe it's giving your kids a bath before every time that they leave the house. What are some things? This could be, could be one of the most spiritual journaling exercises you will ever have. (laughs) Write those things. Try to think of at least five things. Do your best to come up with it. If you don't, it's fine. Then I want you to think about, I want you to pick one. Just pick one that you think is sucking some of the, the most time out of you. And it could even be work, like trying to overachieve at work. So you're staying late, you know, going in early or whatever. Circle that. And think about this. And, and think about this. Is there any way I can minimize that unhealthy value in my life. Write it on the other side. Is there any way I can minimize that unhealthy value in my life? So for you, like clothes, it might not be an issue, and that's totally fine. Or it might not be food, and that's totally fine. But what in you, what in your heart, when you write that down, you go, that is an unhealthy value in my life. And that is giving the thief the opportunity to more easily entangle me and drag me down. Circle that. And then maybe go to do a number, you know, write maybe a two or three or whatever. I've talked about my most important things before and how I always write every day three most important things. And I usually write something like about, you know, um, uh, saying something nice to all my kids. I, I have that on my list almost every day because sometimes it's easy to go through life and you just are not, you're just like, do that, do that, do this, you know, don't do that, stop it, do it faster. And so I try to say something nice to my kids every single day. Uh, right now, one of the things, for example, I'm trying to go to bed at a decent time every single day. Now, I have the, you, I could put on here, I want to be, you know, the most spiritual giant. I want to get a PhD. I want to, I could have all these things of, of, uh, I could say exercising, losing weight, reading more, but that is not the most important thing 
It's not what to do, but what not to do. Think about what needs to be removed and minimized so that your natural life. I had a friend recently that was like super duper stressed out and we were talking about it. We, we met and um, super duper stressed out. She's got a ton of stress in her life related to work. She has a, a very difficult ex-husband. She's got, she's a single mom. I mean, she's got a ton of pressure and, and um, she had some health things going on, but the health things were really outside of her control. And I asked her out of all those things, what is stressing you out the most out of all those things? And you can do that even with your list. Out of all those things, what is stressing you out the most? And then I said, what about if you completely ignore that one thing? And for her, it was her weight. She was very stressed out about her weight. And she's been overweight for years. And I was like, don't worry about it. Cross that off the list of worrying. Do other things that are more important right now in your life, which is like taking care of your kids. I'm like, you can lose weight five years from now. You don't have to lose weight today. You've been trying to lose weight for 10 years and you never have. So why take all that energy and, and all that energy in your natural life to lose weight because of some, you know, because of, you know, I don't know, some supermodel when it's like that is stealing and robbing you from that natural life that God has planned for you. Not that you don't need to lose weight. So what of those things on your list? It's not what to do. What should you not be doing? What do you care about that you should not be caring about? And look at that. What about if it's the one you circled? Should you, could you completely not care about it? Could you say, I am not going to worry about, you know, getting any new clothes this year, period. I am, I'm crossing that off my list of things to worry about. I'm crossing this off my list. I'm crossing off doing any new recipes. You know, I'm crossing off getting a new car. I am crossing off getting a promotion. Now, I know this is a little, might be a little tough to swallow, and I'm sorry if you feel that way, but we get so caught up in our natural lives and traps that take us down, rather than organizing, rather than putting on your list, these are my priorities. Today, I need to save the world. I need to save my children. I need to remodel my house. I need to whatever, right? That creates despair, disillusionment. It's a, a tactic of the enemy to suck your natural life out of you. And I am shooting straight, sucking the natural life out of you, where those things become, take up so much time. And you could say, that doesn't really matter to me. I don't really care that much about it, but they're taking so much time, emotional energy, pulling away from your real and eternal life, the good life of going in and out um, in pasture like Jesus promised. And those things in our life that seem like they're no big deal are the very things that when you think about last night, what we talked about, what the, the thief has still stolen, killed, and destroyed from your life. Think about that. If it was your virginity, then it could have been the things of how you were dressing to impress a guy, or it could have been your insecurity about your weight, or things like that, right? That then trap you in this thing of being stolen, killed, and destroyed from your life, and spoiling the good and natural life what if you eliminated those things if you said all these things are worrying me right now all these things you know my weight my health i don't have a boyfriend i want children i whatever all those things and what if you just said instead of trying to do things i'm going to not do that thing 
and I'm going to say I'm going to completely eliminate worrying about my weight for the, until 2020. I am just crossing that off my list. I am going to stop making a list of all these big major things. I'm going to, you know, exercise for 60 minutes. I'm going to do this or that for 60 minutes. And what about if you said, I'm not going to do that? What I'm going to do today is I'm going to, um, I'm going to say one nice thing to all my kids. And I'm going to go to the prayer meeting that Pastor Chris leads on Friday. And that's what I'm going to do. That's all I'm going to do. Get absolutely nothing else done. It doesn't matter. What about if you completely removed cleaning your house? And maybe that's a bad idea. (laughs) But what if you said, what about if you just completely lowered your standard and you said, I do not care anymore about how dirty my house is. The jealousy, the jealousy, some women just experienced major freedom here right now in this place. I told you it was going to be like a really significant spiritual moment for you. But think about the cleaning the house, how that creates discouragement and despair because you feel lazy, because you feel like your house doesn't look as good as other people. It doesn't look like the, the people on TV or any of those things. And that becomes something you got, God, why didn't you give me a nicer house? God, why didn't you help me be more disciplined? God, why didn't you help me to get a better couch that doesn't look so ugly? You know, wh- how come you won't give me a husband that lets me get rid of that ugly recliner? Think about all the things that sucks out of you by worrying about your house. You're welcome. I speak freedom on us in the name of Jesus. <laughs> so anyway, one more tip, and I'm like, I, I, I apologize. I guess it's next year real or whatever. I, I haven't gotten through anything. But um, one other thing, just a practical tip, if you have things you do need to get done, instead of looking at them at daily, instead of doing daily to-do lists, do a weekly to-do list. So you don't feel like a failure every day when you don't get anything done. And then you cross, certainly at some point in the week, you'll probably be able to get at least one thing on your weekly to-do list done. And at that point, you can cross it off. Consider yourself having a big win that God helped you with your real and ordinary life. And it's good and better because you got that done, right? And, And then you can move those things on to the next week. And in fact, just keep that list and change the date on the top of it. You don't have to rewrite that bad boy. Just keep it, you know? Just cross it off and change the date, you know? Perfect. So anyway, so just creating, why are we doing that? What's the reason? We're going to go, so it's not what we, it's changing your mindset for a second, which is counterintuitive to say, not what am I going to do? I'm going to do this and I'm going to change the world and I'm going to be awesome. And all this stuff, instead of thinking about what I'm going to do, what am I going to not do? So that God can then lead me in this green pasture of a good and better life that he has promised. A life where we aren't bogged down by jealousy, by offense, by um, insecurity, by whatever. It's like if you don't care about how much you weigh and what you look like, that's like one thing removing from the list of your life that Satan can bog you down with. What about if we eliminated these natural things in our life that are actually sucking our life, setting us up from temptation and making it such that it's virtually impossible to have a decent balance of time and emotional energy between these two areas of our life, the spiritual and the natural areas of our life? Are you picking up what I'm laying down? 
Our time is up. I've got to let you go. We're going to be going into workshops. Let me just um, pray for you really quick. And then uh, we're going to have, remember, everybody can have a box lunch. If you need a registration packet, pick it up. Um, But uh, we're going to have a workshop. We're going to have lunch. Lunch is served in the student auditorium and the kids auditorium. And then another workshop after lunch and then a closing session today and then a session in the morning. God, thank you so much for what you're doing in us and what you're going to do today. We love you, Jesus. Amen.